We are on Yevamos Pevav Amabez 86b, towards the very bottom. We are beginning the last Mishnah of this parak, of this chapter, before we move on to the 10th chapter. The Mishnah will be discussing uh, different scenarios where um, a Yisrael, uh, somebody who's not a Kohen, um, you know, what happens if they get married to a Kohen or to a Levi? Then they are allowed to eat truma, are they allowed to, which is the food given to the Kohanim, or are they allowed to eat Meiser, which is, let's say, according to Rav Meir, uh, the Mishnah is like Rav Meir, the food that's given to the Leviim. Uh, what could the wife, who's not, she didn't enter at birth into uh, a Kohen or into a Levi, but she married into it. And what happens if thereafter the husband dies? What's the halacha then? Or what happens if they have children? And the husband dies. This is all basically a limbus test to figure out, you know, what would be viewed as an extension of the marriage, let's say. That's how some of the commentators explain it. And so these are all, whether they're allowed to eat truma, whether they're allowed to eat meiser, the special food for the Kohen, or the special food for the Levi, these are all basically a limbus test to the fundamental question of uh, what is her status and how her status changes based on her marriage. So even though uh, this might not necessarily apply practically today, but the, the concept itself is a fundamental principle in terms of how to view various relationships and uh, the status of different people depending on the relationship. So says the Mishnah. There's the first half of the Mishnah and then the second half of the Mishnah. Says the beginning of the Mishnah. Bas Yisrael, we have somebody who was born as a Yisrael. It's not a Kohen, not a Levi. Shinesis la Kohen, she gets married to a Kohen. So we've had that case many times. It's very simple. Tochal truma. She eats truma. As the wife of a Kohen, she's allowed to eat truma, the special food that's given to the Kohen. If the husband dies, but they have a child from, uh, from that marriage, she continues to eat truma because, let's say, there's different ways of saying it, but let's stick to this way, because the child really represents an extension of that marriage. And since it's an extension of that marriage, she can continue eating truma. However, if she then goes ahead, she marries a levy. So now that she marries a levy, that sort of, for the time being, as we'll see, uproots the original marriage. She's now viewed as the wife of a levy. Her, her doesn't uproot the marriage, but it uproots her status. It changes her status. Her status is now as the wife of a levy. So she's not allowed to eat truma, but tochel b'maiser. She's allowed to eat... Meiser, she's again according to a mayor who says that we give the Meiser to the Levi as opposed to the opinion that we follow that says anybody can eat Meiser. So this wife of a Levi is allowed to eat Meiser. If the husband dies but they have a child, she's allowed to continue eating Meiser. However, if she then goes ahead and marries a Yisrael, somebody who's not a Kohen and not a Levi, so now her status changes. She becomes the wife of Yisrael. They cannot eat, she cannot eat truma or meiser because she's married to Yisrael. If the husband dies and they have a child, so then still, it's an extension of the marriage. She's not allowed to eat truma or meiser. It's viewed as an extension of that previous marriage where she's viewed as the wife of a Yisrael. Now, explains the Mishnah, if the child of that last marriage dies, so now that it's no longer viewed as an extension of that marriage, 
she falls back on the most recent marriage where she has a child from that most recent marriage, which was to the Levi. So now she is, in fact, allowed to eat Meiser. Meiz ben Abel Levi tochel betruma. If the, the child she had with the Levi dies, she now falls back on the most previous relationship, which was her marriage to the Kohen. So now she's, in fact, allowed to eat truma. So it doesn't get uprooted, as I mentioned before. Retroactively, it doesn't get uprooted, but her status is just changing. So Meiz ben Abel Kohen, if the child from her first marriage with the Kohen that child dies, so then she goes back to her status as, uh, or as herself, as when she was born. And lo tocha lo betruma velo meiser. And as a Yisrael, she was born as a Yisrael. She does not eat truma and she does not eat meiser. That is all the first half of the Mishnah. Now the second half of the Mishnah is very similar, but it discusses not the daughter of Yisrael, but discuss meaning she wasn't born as Yisrael, but she was born from a Kohen family. So Bas Kohen Chenisis Yisrael. This is the continuation of the Mishnah, second half of the Mishnah. A, she was born as a Kohen, but she marries a Yisrael. So then Lotochabatruma. She's the wife of Yisrael. She cannot eat Truma. If she has a child, the, the husband dies and she has a child. She still can't eat Truma. She's the wife of Yisrael. If she marries a Levi, she's allowed to eat now. She then goes ahead and marries a Levi, she's allowed to eat Meiser. If the husband dies and they, she has, they have a child together, she's allowed to eat Meiser. She can continue eating Meiser. If she then goes ahead and marries a Kohen, no more Meiser, she's allowed to go ahead and eat Truma now. If, they, if he dies and they have a child, she can continue eating Truma. And then, what happens if the children die? If the child from the Kohen dies, she now can no longer eat Truma. She's not viewed as the wife of the Kohen anymore. It's not viewed as an extension anymore. So now she falls back. She can no longer eat Truma. But she could eat Meiser because she's viewed as the wife of the most previous marriage, which was to the Levi, because she has a child from that Levi. However, if that child passes away, so now she can no longer eat Meiser. If her child from her first marriage from the Israel dies, so then she goes back to being what she was at birth. She returns to her father's home, and she's allowed to eat truma. She was born as a Kohen, the daughter of a Kohen, and so she's allowed to eat truma. As the verse says, that she returns back to her father's home, uh, since she has no children from any of her marriages, no longer alive, so uh, she's allowed to eat truma. Okay, that is the end of uh, the Mishnah. Before we begin the Gemara, just to elaborate and embellish upon, uh, we mentioned that the reason why if she has a child from the marriage, even if the, the marriage ended, the husband passed away, uh, she's still allowed, to, she's still viewed as the wife, let's say, or she, she's, if it was the son of a Kohen, she's allowed to eat Truma, if the son of a Levi, she's allowed to eat Meiser. So the way we explained it, was that she's viewed as, it's viewed as though the marriage continues. It's like she's the wife of the Kohen, the wife of the Levi. There are those who explain differently, uh, just to point out that it's not that it's, she's the wife of the Kohen, the wife of the Levi, but she's allowed to eat because her child is a Kohen, so therefore she's allowed to eat, or her child is a Levi, therefore she's allowed to eat Meiser. Um, and it's really coming through the child, which leads to various questions of what would happen in a case, this is all discussed by the commentators, what happens in a case where the child cannot eat? Uh, let's say the child is a chalal, is somebody who is uh, disqualified from uh, from eating uh, for whatever reason. 
so then, so then, uh, is she disqualified from eating, or is it viewed as an extension of the marriage? Anyways, uh, so it leads to some of those interesting discussions. Okay, let's begin the Gemara. The Gemara asks uh, the following question: The verse says that if she's the daughter of a Kohen and she marries somebody who's not a Kohen, she can't eat Truma anymore. However, if the husband passes away and they don't have any children, she returns back to her family's home and she can continue eating Truma. That is what the verse says. However, our Mishnah said much more than that. Our Mishnah said that if she was not a Kohen, she wasn't born a Kohen, but she married a Kohen, and then the Kohen died, and then she married a Levi, and then the Levi died, she returns back, or let's say she had a child from the Kohen, um, in her first marriage, and the Levi died, then she returns back to eating Truma because, not because she was born as a Kohen, which is what the verse was talking about, but because uh, her son from the previous relationship with the Kohen was, is a Kohen. So that, that son is still alive and she's allowed to eat Truma. That's what the Mishnah says. Well, what's the source for that? We only have a source from the Torah that says that she, if, if she has no children, she could go back to her, parents, her father's home and eat Truma there. Uh, but but uh, the, the case where uh, she's returning back not to uh, what she was at birth, but the fact that she was married originally to a Kohen and then the Kohen died, but she has children from that relationship, there's no explicit verse that says that. So what's the source? So the Mar explains, Amar, Rabbi Abba, Amar, Amar Rav, Rav says, because there's an extra letter, or we'll see really an extra word, it says, Bas. It says, Ubas Kohen Kisiya Amano Grusha Vizar Ela. It says, if she's the daughter of a Kohen, and her husband passes away, and she doesn't have children from her husband, who was not a Kohen, so then she returns back to her father's home. But it didn't have to say Ubas Kohen. It says, first, it says Ubas, the extra letter Vav. So that's like Kaman Kirby Kiva, the Darish Vavi. Rabbi Kiva says that if there's an extra letter of the Vav, so then you can expound, expound upon that and say that it's coming to teach us something new. So are we limiting it to Rabbi Kiva, that, that particular opinion of Rabbi Kiva? The says, no. Afilu Rabbanon. Even according to the Rabbanon, even according to the majority, Kula Ubaskra Yusirihu. The entire word Ubas Kohen, the entire phrase is extra because in the previous verse we were also discussing the daughter of a Kohen. It was unnecessary. It could have just started off with Kisia Amano Grusha if she was divorced or a widow. It didn't have to mention that phrase. The fact that it mentioned that phrase is to teach us this very halacha, this law, that when she returns, not necessarily to her, her father's home uh, in the sense that of what her status was at birth, but she returns back to the relationship because she has a child with the Kohen after she married a Levi and then the Levi died. So that is the source that she's allowed to continue eating truma. It's taught in a b'raisa. This is an important halacha, that when she returns, she's allowed to eat truma. Truma is the special food that's given to the Kohen. Let's say she's going back to her family. She's going back to her status at birth. So she she's allowed to eat truma because she was born as a Kohen, even though she married a non-Kohen. If they got divorced or if the husband died, she's allowed to then go ahead and eat truma. However which is the special produce that's given to the Kohanim, she is not allowed to eat from the gifts that are given by the Karbanos of the Chazei shok, different parts of the animal. She is not allowed to partake in that. So it's not completely or a complete return. As the daughter of a Kohen, she would be allowed to eat that. The fact that she got married now to a non-Kohen and returned back to her status from at birth, it's not complete. She is not allowed, she's allowed to eat truma, but she's not allowed to eat from the various gifts that are given with the sacrificial offerings. 
We will see later on in the Gemara that this is only the case when she returns back to her original status from birth, back to her, her parents' home. But if it's a case where she, is, she was married to a Kohen, had children, the, the husband died, and then she married a Levi, and that husband died, she returns back to that original status of being the wife of a Kohen because she had kids from that relationship. In that case, she is, in fact, allowed to continue eating everything, the, the, both the truma and the gifts that she receives as, uh, as a Kohen from the sacrificial offering. Okay. So the Gemara wants to know, what is the source for this idea? How do we know that when she returns back, not, not to the case we just described, but going back to her, her parents' home, to her original status, when she was originally uh, uh, at birth, how do we know that it's only for truma and not for the sacrificial offerings? Amr Chis, Amr Barshila, Micro, what's the verse? So the Gemara will quote five different sources. So that's what the Gemara is going to do now, quote five different sources for this idea. Verse number one, or five different sources, from, could be that it's the same verse, uh, some of the answers are very similar. He betrumas akachim lo socha, b'mar min akachim lo socha. The verse uh, says that the daughter of a Kohen, when she marries somebody who's not a Kohen, he betrumas akachim lo socha, uh, that it says trumas, it refers to it as trumas kachim, which is there to tell you that truma, you have potential, even if you marry Yisrael, you have potential in the future to eat truma. But when it comes to kachim, when it comes to the sacrificial offerings, it's done. Once you marry the Israel, then forever, even if uh, you end that marriage, the husband dies or they get divorced, uh, she does not eat from the kachim. Okay. Source number two. Rav Nachman Amar Baravua. Mi lechem lechem prat The verse says that she's allowed to return back to her family. It says she's allowed to eat from the lechem, from the bread, from the produce. The implication is specifically from the produce, but not and what grows from the ground, but not the sacrificial offerings. The Gemara says, whoa, slow down. Maybe it's not coming to exclude the gifts from the sacrificial offerings. Maybe it's coming to exclude what happens if, let's say, she um, takes a vow to not eat something from her, her, her parents' home. Let's say, maybe that's what it's referring to, that the vow is, is kept. So we say, no, Amar Rabba Kvar Paska Tana that's not true. We already know that uh, uh, the vow that she takes, in certain cases, the father has the right to undo it, but not once she gets married. Once she gets married, it's done. Because Rabbi Shmuel taught Tana Rabbi Shmuel, that um, if the, the neder, the vow that somebody who's married and now she's a widow or divorced, it's established. What is that coming to teach me? It's obvious. Once she gets married, and she's divorced, so then she's no longer part of her, her, her father doesn't have the right to uproot that vow. Her husband doesn't have the right to. If they're married, so then the husband, if it's if it's a vow which impacts the family, it impacts him, he has the right to annul that vow, but he's not allowed to once they get divorced, or if he dies, obviously. So what's the case referring to? Basically, they come up to a case. The verse can't be talking about an obvious case where she's no longer part of the marriage because that's obvious. That uh, and that's that's really the proof. Once she's married and she gets divorced, she's not part of her father's home. Her father can't annul the vow. The husband can't annul the vow. So the verse must be referring to a, a very specific, unique case where there she gets married, 
but it's not a complete marriage. It's based on messengers, the messenger of the father to the messenger of the husband, not so romantic of a marriage. Um, and in such a case where uh, on the way, after uh, she gets uh, she's she gets sent over to the, the not to the husband, but to the to the agent of the husband, to the messengers of the husband. So then at that point in time, the husband dies. So it wasn't yet a complete marriage. So that's what the verse is really talking about. That verse is there to tell you. And even in that case, you cannot annul a vow. But the point is, is that in the end of the day, once she's married and she's no longer married, whether it's a divorce or whether it's the death of the husband, so then the, 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 the father can't annul a vow. This is something which is obvious. The point is, that verse that we mentioned, the lechem, lechem, the, the produce is not coming to exclude a vow. It's coming to exclude uh, the sacrificial offerings, the gifts that are given by the sacrificial offerings. She does not receive that. That is source number two. Something similar, it says from bread, bread as opposed to meat, the sacrificial offerings is meat. Rapapa has uh, also from the same verse, it says that she gets to eat from her father's bread. It's just from a different way of learning it. He says that when it comes to truma, your father owns the truma. A gift that's given to the Kohanim, the produce. That, that belongs to your father. That belongs to the Kohen. So he can give it to his, to his children. However, when it comes to the sacrificial offerings, conceptually, we don't view it as though the father owns the gifts that he receives from the sacrificial offerings. It's that Hashem... God owns it because it's a sacrificial offering, and he allows the Kohen to eat parts of it, but not that the Kohen himself owns it. And so therefore, it's specifically that which he owns, i.e. the truma, which the daughter could then return back to, but not when it comes to uh, not when it comes to uh, the sacrificial offerings. Okay, finally, source number five. Veschazea of Rava Amar Rava brings the final source, Veschazea Tunuva Veshuk Tochlu. In the context, the separate verse, a new verse uh, that's quoted here in the Gemara, is in the context of the of the gifts from the sacrificial offerings. It says, "You, your 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 children, meaning your sons and your daughters, when they are with you, specifically when they are with you, not when happen, not if they uh, get married to somebody else and then uh, they return to you because uh, either they, she gets divorced or the husband dies." It is interesting to note that. Uh, some of the commentators, they point out that if this daughter of a Kohen marries a Kohen, and then the Kohen dies, so then she she would be allowed to continue eating from the sacrificial gifts because that never stopped in terms of her eating the sacrificial gifts. It's only when she marries a non-Kohen and then returns back to her her uh, her home. Amar, a few more lines. Amar of Adabar Ahava, Tanak Shi Chazeras Abesavia, Chazeras Atruma Veno Chazeras Lachazevishok, Bishvil Bena Chazeras Avil Chazevishok. This is only true when she returns back to original status, when she was born, when she goes back to her family. But if she returns back to the cases of our Mishnah where she returns back to the Kohen because she wasn't born as a Kohen necessarily, but she married a Kohen and she had children from that Kohen, even if she married somebody else afterwards, but they didn't have children uh, from, that, from that next marriage, and she, they get divorced or the husband dies, and she returns back to the, to the Kohen status because she had children from that. In that case, she could continue eating even from the sacrificial gifts that the Kohanim receive. And Azal of Mordechai, Amr Lashmaisa Kameder of Ashi, he said this in front of Ashi, Amr Mehecha Kamis Rabbi, Mivabas, Miadifila, Mina. How is this true? How is it could be this be possible that uh, the son could give more to his mother than uh, when she returns back to her home? It's all from the same verse. The Mordechai says, no, but still, Hasam 
In the end of the day, uh, the verse excludes the sacrificial gifts to the Kohanim for the woman who returns back to original status, to, to original family, as opposed to the case where she returns back because of, of an extension of her marriage, because she had a child from a marriage with a Kohen. In that case, there's no explicit verse that says that she does not get it, therefore we assume she does get it. And so that would be a fundamental, a key difference between when she receives truma after she's married and then they get divorced or the, or the husband dies, she receives truma from her, from her family. She does not get the chazei the gifts from the sacrificial offering, but she would get it if she returns back to her wife as a Kohen because she had children from that relationship. Okay, we are towards the bottom of Pezayin Manalef 87a and we'll continue in the next recording.